Hello and welcome to my podcast, Conversations with Cornelius, where I, Cornelius Patrick O'Sullivan, discuss, chat and hypothesize on all things from fatherhood, marriage, comedy and everything else in between. From time to time, there will be special guests, but mostly it's going to be me and some regular contributors, including my main squeeze, Noelle Patricia O'Sullivan, a.k.a. The Wife. So sit back, relax and enjoy Conversations with Cornelius! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another edition of Conversations with Cornelius. I am Cornelius. You may bow, bow, you may look up. How are you? You're keeping well? <laughs> this podcast is sponsored, as always, by the West Cork Beard Company, a phenomenal, fantastic, pheromone-inducing, uh, secreting company from the picturesque town in West Cork of Clannacilty. Get onto them. Check out their website, www.westcorkbeardcompany.ie. Uh, Christmas is coming, guys. I know we're in August. This is the first time now someone has mentioned Christmas. I'd normally be giving out to myself <laughs> for some prick. Giving it's <laughs> and it's here too early. Get buy your products now <laughs> from the West Cork Beard Company for Christmas. And then, like, save, like, I'm sure you'll have plenty of time then, you know, around Christmas to, to drink and be merry, you know. Uh, last week's episode... Last week I was on a holiday, lads. So when you're hearing this now, it's going to be two weeks since you've heard a podcast, which I think is great. Or it's going to be three weeks when you heard a, a, a podcast. Um, but last week's episode isn't going up until this week. That's all very confusing, but it'll make sense when you're listening to it. <laughs> it's, it was called, but there's no, normally I come on and go, last week, uh, everyone was on about last week. Thank you so much for all the messages. But I didn't do a podcast last week, guys, because I was feeling a bit sad. So I did a podcast throughout the week called Sadness, Magic Mushrooms and the All-Ireland Final. So what a what a title! Yes, yes, it is a good title, all right. Um, and it involves all three of those um, uh, adjectives, I suppose. Uh, like no, sad sadness isn't an adjective. Sadness is sadness is a feeling, I suppose, Cornelius. <laughs> uh, magic mushrooms is look. Like listen, they're, they're, <laughs> they're pronouns. What are your pronouns? <laughs> If you're enjoying these podcasts, ladies and gentlemen, please tag me on your story or leave a review on iTunes or send me some nudes. Just fucking send me something, okay? Um, the choice is yours. I'd prefer not to see the nudes, um, particularly if it's any of my family. Again, that's just, you know, it's just not sexy. You Stop know? it, ma'am. You know, well, oh, yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went there and you went further, okay? <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, you're hearing them laugh. You're hearing them joke. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to welcome our... Um, our guest to the stage this week, okay, a fantastic friend of mine, a great comedian, uh, but he's more than a comedian, he's a podcaster, he's a writer, he's an actor, he's a voiceover artist, he's a super special guest, he's a son of a preacher man, Woo! he's an arsenal nut, <laughs> and now you're a full-time student as well. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Mr. Stephen Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So, do, do you realize? I, do you realize the last time we were sitting in this car with two microphones? Do you remember that? Was that down in Kerry? We were in Kerry, and I remember. Come on, come on! And I remember the fucking recorder wouldn't start up, and you were sitting there going, "This is why I don't do this fucking podcasting <laughs> shit." <laughs> and now you've stopped doing your podcast. I and stopped I'm doing it, it on. and I said to you, Carney, you'd be great at this. You'd be fucking brilliant at it. Oh. So I'm delighted. It's an honor to be on the podcast. I'm delighted that you're doing it. So the honor so is all mine, no, my friend. The honor Thank is you all so much. mine. <clears throat> it's, um, how are things with you? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm delighted to be in Cork. We're we're, we're speaking in Cork at the moment, and uh, I'm delighted to be back doing a few gigs. And the view that we have, where we are situated, Let's is absolutely stunning. Um, you can basically see all of Cork City in 360. Uh, yeah, 360. You can see all of Cork City from where we're sitting. It's S fantastic. Where we are now, we're just um, we're just off. Uh, what's that business street over there called again? The South Mall. We're, we're in Q Car Park and we're at right at the top. And I was telling you, Steve, before we came on, this is where I would come now every Monday and every Wednesday about 6 o'clock. Coco Club start, normally start around 8 o'clock. Uh, I'd come up here around 6 o'clock. I'd smoke a joint up here. I'd go through my fucking material for the night. I'd go down nice and early. I'd set the place up. Hail, rain, sleet or snow. And particularly, it's lovely up here now, right? Mm. It's beautiful. But beautiful. at night time, mm. when you see the whole place lit up, you can see the cathedral. You yeah. can see the Elysian. You can see the old red brick uh, of, of, of old Cork City up there in McCurtain Street. Yeah, yeah. 
You can see the north side, the south side. You can see down to Middleton. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I'm delighted. I've lots of memories because we're actually, we're not far from Finbar's Cathedral. And what I did junior infants in Finbar's National School. Mm. I remember it very well. And I was, I, I actually, my mother started me too young. I was only, I think I was only turned, was I turned three? I was three, just three about months. turning four. <laughs> yeah, but I remember like having to sit on. I was too young for it because I was sitting on the bloody teacher's lap the whole time. Miss Wolf, God bless her. <laughs> you were sitting on Miss Wolf's lap. That's yeah, that's yeah. a really <laughs> endearing image. I remember, Aww. and I remember being. I remember saying to her, "I like your lipstick today," and her blushing. I remember that. <laughs> and that was that proper school, like that was primary school. There was yeah, no yeah, such yeah. thing. I'm the same as you. Like, do I missed out on this soft fucking carry on of play school or yeah, or yeah. crash or whatever? Yeah. We just got straight thrown into regular school, like. Yeah, I think I did do a play school, and I. I from my memory, because even my daughter talks about this now, because I told her the story. My mother used to get phone calls from play school saying, Stephen's under the couch and he won't come out. <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter goes to preschool now telling me, like, you know, my daddy was like in preschool. Oh, what an idiot he was. <laughs> he wouldn't come out from under the couch. That's <laughs> oh, class, man. That's class. Yeah. It's great that, like, Im- 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 image, like even like build- that building there now brings back in... Oh you know, yeah, a memory of childhood. your childhood, oh, and that you're relating it now with your own yeah, daughter. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. It's just fucking amazing. Um, and I again, I was talking to you. We had a good conversation. Now we we're hanging out nearly a couple, an hour and a half. I'd yeah, say. We yeah. went for lunch and um, just a big catch up. But like, we were kind of saying, you just the world is just like it's so different. It's just so weird yeah, now. Yeah, like, you know, you yeah. know. But you, if when you stand back and take notice of it, it's actually yeah. quite beautiful. Oh, it can 100%. be. A hundred percent. Like coming back to Cork for me is always a bit of a weird one because. It's nearly like, uh, in some ways, it's like a girlfriend you broke up with, you know, because when we, we left, we left Cork City when I was four to move to Middleton and then, but Cork City is still part of your life then because mm. you'd make the trips down to Cork for shopping and all that kind of stuff. And then we left Cork to, uh, to move to Dublin and it's a bit of heartbreak coming back because like, I'm not really from Cork anymore, but, but like, were you still born in love Cork? it. I wasn't even born. See, that's the Where thing. Where were you born? I was born in, in Clonmel in Tipperary. Oh, I'm a right Christ. fucking mongrel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, I had. To be fair, now I can't. Like, there's a lot of similarities. My mother is from Carrick and Shore, which is only down right, the road. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was also born in Cork. Right. Or I also lived in Middleton, should I say? Oh yes, that's right. You did. Yeah. 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 But come here to me. I'll tell you now, Steve. I'm going to do a word association game. Oh, yeah. right? Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I was telling you about this. I didn't tell you the words. No. All right. There's no wrong answer. That's the first thing I'll say. Okay. Okay. But you just have to give me the first word that pops into your mo- into your mind. So if I was to say, so if I was to say tea, you might say biscuits. And there's no exactly. That's but it. if you had said, and do you respond respond to that and we keep going or no? Well, we'll see what the how funny the answers okay. are. <laughs> 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 but like, um, there's no like, and there, there's no and uh, there's no funny answer or, or bad answer Grand. or whatever. Like, because I mean, it's pretty pretty straightforward stuff. But we'll start there now. Let's water, go. water, wine, car, wheels. Cork Rebels Mass Gay I don't know why it's I don't even I can't even explain that. <laughs> well, look, th- these these are obviously we're we're only going out to honestly, five. I had a picture of a priest in my head <laughs> and that was it. I just <laughs> running fast milk. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Death. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> Phone. Call. Maradona. Love. Life. Maradona. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Oh man. Um, obviously, the highlight is mass. Yeah, <laughs> I've never showed. I've never showed you that, have I? There, oh, the, the, the Maradona, man, and the man himself, yeah. Diego. I know you. I know you've got yeah. Argentinian links. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I know. I've, I'm a massive Napoli fan. I, w- I actually went to a Napoli game today. I got oh, married. Oh, wow. And when I was growing up in national school, everybody was AC Milan. They had yes. Bullis and Van yes. Basten. And I just, there's something in me about yeah. being the under. And I was like, nah, I'm going to go with, with Napoli. Yeah. Now, like, they, Maradona was with them. Yeah. Um, and they were decent. Yeah. But then they were just, like, I go, I've got, I go back and I go back on YouTube very <coughs> regular yes. to watch those old Napoli clips with Craig yeah. and Maradona. Yeah. And of course, like he's just was so amazing with Argentina. But what does he mean to you? I have to like that was the. I'm not even being dramatic about it, but uh, <coughs> I was. Uh, I hope I don't get emotional talking about <laughs> it because it's it's a weird it's a weird connection because in a lot of ways I don't. I, 
you, you can't explain it but honestly when he passed away it was the exact same I got the news the exact same way I got the news that my grandfather died that I had gone for a nap and I woke up to the news that somebody tell when my grandfather died I woke up to my mother crying downstairs and I went downstairs and uh, I knew it's weird I just knew someone had died it was weird Jesus. weird but when Maradona had died I woke up and felt weird it was actually Keith Fox uh, he said uh, he was very sensitive about the way he sent the text it's weird people know that it means something so much to me I can't remember what he said but he was very sensitive about it and I like, called my uncle in Buenos Aires and I was like we were speaking like my Spanish isn't great but I was like es verdad es verdad like is it true is it true and he was like yeah yeah and I was just fucking crying for hours and my girlfriend and my daughter were out and uh, she came home and uh, I was like she was holding me and I was so, like I haven't I don't think I've released like that in a lot like sobbing like yeah. Cool. And then any time it came up in conversation, I was crying. So I was crying on and off. You're for a welling up of days. here now, like yeah, uh, yeah, looking yeah, at yeah, you. Yeah, you're yeah. you're <laughs> genuinely here. Yeah, yeah. It was. It, it's weird. It's like my memories of Mar. Because I actually was in his presence, believe it or not. And I can't like I have. Did I you have, touch him? No, I didn't touch him. But I f- I certainly felt him. Um, in 2005 I'm going to just clip that little bit there now <laughs> no I didn't touch him but I definitely felt him in 2005 <laughs> and you're going to be cancelled to fuck <laughs> oh your days are numbered brother and gay as well you can book gay, gay as well, yeah. Yeah. As well yeah. he's having um, a go off the homosexuals <laughs> but in 2005 I was uh, so 2004 was definitely the worst year of my life and I, I talked about that in some of preacher man and I had a rough year and one thing that I did for myself I was 18 turning 19 saved up a load of money I was an apprentice carpenter and I saved up money to buy a ticket to go to Argentina that was my dream to go and do that and I went to Argentina at 19 stayed with my family there I just bought the plane ticket and uh, I went over and the day I had no rec- I had no um, notion that this was going to happen and I wasn't particularly a Boca fan at the time either I was a fan of Argentinian football and we had River Plate and Boca Plate ju- Boca Juniors jerseys in the house my mom was River Plate because she used to swim in the stadium they had a swimming pool when she was growing up and she used to swim in the stadium in River Plate um, so she was River but and then I went to stay with one family at the start and they were all River but then my uncle came and he was like um he actually did he no he didn't collect me from the airport he came to collect me and he said we're going to bring you to a Boca party tonight and the family is staying with were River like you don't want to go to a Boca party <laughs> like and they're and they're like no no you're coming you're coming like oh, the, the family were so reluctant because they're River to let me go and it was to celebrate a hundred years of Boca Juniors so two thousand five was a hundred years of Boca Juniors and I went to La Bombonera. Um, I remember the army, the Alsatians, and, you know, like, strict getting in. But the whole area of La Boca is really rough, but really colourful. Everything's mm. painted mad different colours. And my uncle... Like, like Nahini. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And to get in, my uncle had, like, a membership thing, uh, cards to get in. And he's doing this in front of the army, man. He just goes, beep, yeah, go ahead, beep, go ahead. He's passing us in all on the same card, like, f- me and my five cousins or whatever. And we went in, and it was just a party. And one side of the stadium was a huge cinema screen and they were projecting images on it and playing music. And there was cumbia music, which is like these dancers and the music goes to the beat of and they're playing these big drums and it's all colorful and there are somersaults. There's a snake of all these these cumbia dancers and musicians never-ending snake coming out onto the pitch like a snake and they're doing a doom, 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 and they did it till they fill the whole pitch right and we're in the stands all the stands are full and we're watching this cinema thing and it was like making this real dramatic Hollywood movie of all the famous people down in history who were Boca Juniors fans that was a joke it was ironic but they're like Vincent van Gogh was obviously a mm. Boca fan because he had uh, blue and blue and blue and yellow in this painting and mm. and whoever Einstein was obviously a Boca fan because of blah 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 went through all these characters and then they said and of course God himself was a Boca fan and there's this big picture of Jesus right and there's kind of silence and then a flickered to Maradona and it's like <sighs> because that's who God is yeah, over there yeah. and I don't think I don't think anybody knew that this was going to happen mm. at the time then they had like so he, it was a surprise that he was there presentations yeah yeah presentations to all these people and then they brought out Diego I couldn't fucking believe it like and man it was one of the I've never experienced it in my life I don't think I ever will again um, he's walking out onto the pitch and La Dose which is the ultras um, they kind of get the whole stadium singing, but they start jumping at the same time. Oh. And when you look 
that everyone does it. It literally looks like a stadium oh, is God. jumping and it's Maradon, Maradon, Maradon. Takes him forever to get out through all the cumbia dances, big security and all that kind of stuff. He gets on the mic, he's trying to speak. You cannot hear him over the PA system because people are screaming his name and he's talking about how you're the best fans in the world, no one will ever beat you, blah, blah. He's fucking tiny. Five, and, six or something. Yeah, and like I'm looking around and everybody's crying. Yeah. Everyone has tears streaming down their faces. And like that's my connection with Maradona because the effects that he had on people, it's very hard to understand that mm. in Europe. Well, um, you know, Steve, it like it, it is and it isn't because like I'm a boy from Ballyclaw with yeah. no, no I don't even know like Handele Handele. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, my yeah, yeah. is that Spanish? Yeah, yeah. Is that hurry up? Yeah, it's really yeah, Mexican, yeah. yeah, yeah. Me- Alright, yeah. sorry. I was probably being racist there. And that's no, how okay. like Handele Handele <laughs> And that's from fucking Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy the Gonzalez, car- that's the, the right, cartoon. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's literally but for me. Like, he definitely changed the way I look. And this is not a football podcast. I have to say that yes, on all yes, my sorry. podcasts. We're, we're getting on to other stuff. We're <laughs> going to get on to other stuff. But, yeah. like this is, but this is interesting. But he um, transcends football. He transcends football. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was so human yes. with his talent. Yes. Like, he was so flawed. Yeah. He loved and he was bad yeah. and he was good and he was honest yeah. and he was dishonest. Yes. He was, like, fucking mischievous. Yes. And he was a genius on the, yes. pi- on the field. Yes. I mean... I, I look at, and I've had conversations with people on this podcast about football, and we're talking about Messi and we're talking about Ronaldo. Um, I just, I won't listen to any of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. When it, like, I think if Diego Armando Maradona was playing in the modern game, whoever he would be with would be untouchable because yeah. the man was absolutely chopped down yeah. in nearly every game he played. 100%. I mean, and, and, and uh, Lionel Messi wouldn't argue with that. You know, wouldn't he? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear that now. To be honest, no, he wouldn't. And and like it, it, w- it was a different era. But he he was he was basically the absolute best humans can be and the absolute worst that humans can yeah. be. And that was my. That's why I got the tattoo of him on my arm because <laughs> in, in my head as an 18 year old, it was like he meant something to me that was like, well, if you know, he was the embodiment of somebody, who, the underdog who can make. Because I know Vigiforito where he's from. You do not go there. Mm. You still to this day do not go there. Ask my mother. She's, you do not go there. I read Guillaume Balaga's very good biography on Maradona there recently, and he drove to the house where Maradona's from, and the taxi man said, "Why the fuck are you going here? Why the fuck are you going here?" And they, they, he couldn't stop the car. He, the, he said to some guys at Maradona's house, like, "Yeah, what about it? Like, they're about to fucking blow the car <laughs> up. Like, you don't try. If you drive into Isaza uh, Airport to get to Buenos Aires to the city, you're passing like." Endless slums, mm. endless. So you understand, like you can feel that that's kind of where like he came from. They're li- the equivalent of the vavelas, kind exactly. Of like yeah, 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 yeah. And it's 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 brutal wh- where he came from, but um, yeah, like the like I, I was shocked even in Irish media how broadcasters were getting emotional about him passing and all and all. It is because of the, his story and what he came up against. I'd recommend the biography because it does give another insight, especially into his early beginnings. Mm. And like from 16 years of age, he was paying for his family, his family's way. I think there was. 10 children possibly but something big like that mm. he was looking after his mother and father he brought them out of Vigia Ferrito Argentinos Juniors gave him the, this apartment he brought the, all the family to there and his life is just crazy after that mm. it's never stopped and what I love what I love about him is like you know that he was a man of the people but I love that he, you know that he was I, like I don't love this I don't love this for him but I love that he was flawed mm that you know nowadays yes. everything is on social media everything is yes. perfect yeah everything is perfect that photo of the family mm. the photo you know paid sponsorship yes you know all this all this racket yeah. and i'm not saying that it's all bullshit yes but a lot of it's bullshit yeah i know myself on social media you you know and i have war with myself about this i have to try like you know do you know try and stop yourself from posting too much kind of yeah. humble braggy shit yeah, do you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. um and like the fact that he was like you know a huge cokehead, fucking mm. banging, mm. you know, prostitutes, yeah. drinking, hanging out with the mafia. The children he has all over Ch- the Children place, all like over the gaff. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. You know, but like, he ju- it, it just showed that he was human beneath it all. You know, now obviously not, you know, not the, not not they're not great attributes to aspire to. No, but you know, they don't. It just goes to show that, you know, they don't go hand in hand. Piety. And God given, like, because that's no. what he had. It was God given. It was like, yeah, he, like he, he wasn't an athlete. He was a squat of a man. You yeah, know? like even even the the fact that what he did at Napoli, 
Um, what, what people don't understand is, and the biography really articulates this really well, is that he co- he didn't have much lateral movement in his left ankle after that that leg break from that prick oh in Balbao, the, the bull- who ha- who butcher ha- of Balbao, who has those boots that he did that in framed in his gaff, like a fucking sense of pride or whatever. But Maradona could only lift his that ankle up and down. He didn't have that movement in it, Jesus. and he still went on and did what he did in Napoli. Um, like he did in, in my, from '88 to '90, he, I, in my opinion, they were his two peak years. Mm. When won the World Cup in 1990, but like they won the Scudetto. '86, '86, he won the yeah. Or sorry, uh, sorry, eight, sorry, it was '86 uh, to '88 yeah, yeah, were the years yeah. Yeah. Um, that he was in his pomp. Yeah. After that, from eight, they won the Scudetto in '87 and '88, and then then mafia got involved, and then there was loads of drugs, and there was the, he was. What the documentary tells really well is that like he wanted to leave. He knew he was he in trouble. He needed to get out, yeah. and the president wouldn't fucking let him. No, so he like. I, I left that documentary when it came out watching it and fucking again like crying again because I'm like they fucking they all fucking prostituted him yeah they fucking used him they're oh. like he was a god and then and then he was left in shit like after that time in Napoli and like he f- he basically fled Italy like mm. it's fucking there's crazy. one story of, of him uh, you know where the the mafia are out and they're having a dinner and there's some they're entertaining someone mm. and they're like oh get Maradona here and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning they yeah. ring Maradona he's like I'm, I have a game in the morning yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not drinking at all I'm yeah. trying to get my life straight yeah. and um, he was pretty much told get in yeah, here get or you won't make any game like, yeah, you know? yeah yeah exactly and that was, that was it like yeah. he was just but anyway that's Diego Armando Maradona there you go yeah Steve-O I want to talk to you a little bit about your life your life is fascinating okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. so you originally <laughs> wanted to be a footballer yes then you were a musician yeah how did you how did how did you go from football musician to acting and now into comedy and acting? Yeah, that's like it's a when you say it like that, yeah, it is know, a bit mad. It is a bit <laughs> mad, like, because like it's it's like yeah, which what I love about it is when you're a kid, you don't have any kind of you don't have any blockers on your dream. You know? Yeah, you just yeah. go. I want to be. Th- I remember I yes. wanted to be the Pope. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like you want to be the biggest gay I in the village. <laughs> I wanted to be the biggest gay. I wanted to wear the outfit. Yeah. I wanted to live in Rome. <laughs> I didn't want to be a priest. Yeah. And like you're the same. I want to be a footballer. Yes, I, I, yeah. You know, like or I want to be a musician. Like these are aspirational. Yeah. You need talent for, the, yeah. for all these things. So presumably you did have talent. Um, you were telling me before you played with Bose, is it? I played, yeah. I, I managed to get to my... Like, I think I was starting off in football. I'm this is not a football podcast. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, I started out playing in Middleton and I got hooked playing in Middleton Football Club. And I had a manager at the time that was very encouraging. And, uh, like, uh, I just got hooked on football and my love of football and playing it in particular. And I went from not being very good to improving. I remember Henry Shefflin talking about in Hurling that he doesn't have natural talent. He just worked his bollocks off. And I think I was a bit like that. I definitely developed more of my natural talent I got better and better then we moved to Dublin and played for a few teams I managed to play for Home Farmer under 17s which was big at the time they yeah. were linked to Leeds at the time and I played senior football from 17, 18 and I, that, and I got I was very lucky all this the, the road I'm about to bring you on is, uh, it's a kind of luck as to who I met as to why I ended mm. up in acting and how I ended up in blah 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 I had a manager at Whitehall Rangers when I was 18 who I was actually given to, I was get, sent to that club by my therapist at the time, believe it or not. And his name was Mick Lawler. And what a lovely man. He played for Ireland in the 70s with, with John Giles. And he taught me some very basics about playing in centre midfield that I really clung on to. And uh, the following year, I got signed for the guards. They had a team <laughs> under 21, believe it or not, Aircom League at the time. I ended up finished top goal scorer for them, playing from the middle of the park, which wasn't bad. So you kn- you're like, you're, you're a good fella to know if you need to get... Uh and I'll uh, find squashed. Yeah, I st- yeah, yeah, I suppose. I actually still know. Uh, shout out to Richie. How are we doing there, Richie? All right, Richie. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then the following year, I went to play for Bohemians, but they switched to summer soccer. I got an injury in the senior football, did my cruciate ligament, and the Bohemians thing was more of a... I arrived half a during the season, still rehabbing. I played, I think, two two friendlies maybe, and then ended up kind of just going back to senior football. And I had kind of gotten to a point... I actually... This is no down on Bohemians now, actually. That was kind of the beginning of the end of the love affair of playing. Um, there was a lot of arrogance at the time. This was 2005, 2006. A lot of arrogance from who? Players. Okay. And uh, it was all about the earrings and the haircuts. 
and Ireland was in a time where, and the League of Ireland was in a time where there was loads of inverted commas money flying around. Yeah. I remember Glenn Crow, like he was the yeah. centre forward for Bohemians. There was rumours that he was on X amount of thousands a week, and I'm like, really? It doesn't seem to be that many people going to games for to be paying yeah. that wages. You know what I mean? And everyone notions. notions. Everyone had notions, yeah. like. And uh, when I was even in Middleton, my dream was to play for Cork City, like. Yeah. But notions. Good dream. Noble notions, dream. Absolutely. But so how does this? How do? So you start playing. So how do you go from? Because like you. You were playing football. Are you playing the guitar then in the evening, or what are you I doing? Like? How do you end up being I a singer in a band? I like? had ended up. Well, I just started it. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <laughs> are you just like you're like you're the law of attraction's wet dream? Like you're just like yeah, I'm a singer no, now I, in a band. I I, I I don't know why I want to start a band, but for whatever reason, actually, now I do. That same therapist, his son was uh, he he went on to create a band called Funzo that did, that did quite well and um, he said well if you like me I'd interest I could play a few chords and guitar and if you'd like writing songs why don't you come over he'll record and he there was a lot of kindness and empathy in that he'd bring me to the family home and his son would like we record like I wouldn't want to listen to those songs now I'm sure they're mm. god awful like but I just started playing and writing songs then and my cousin who I'm still like really close friends with to this day um and his family and my uncle they're very much musical his dad has a like a music company where he'd book people to play in a hotel or a pub or blah 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 blah. oh and so you were kind of, that was your in that was a well it, well, pff, it wasn't my in in that like but I what, were you, what were you writing these songs about now like what's at like the time it was about my, the first song that i wrote that went well with the band and did really well at gigs was a song called bright day coming and it was about I was working in my day job for a charity at the time. I thought, I, sorry, no, I thought you were going to say I was working <laughs> as a waitress <laughs> in a cocktail <laughs> bar. Sorry, go but on. I was work. I was I was interviewing one of the clients. It was a charity to help people for long term unemployed got back into work, and he I had to help him fill out a form to get into a rehabilitation program, and he told me the story. He's an alcoholic, and he told me the story about. Um, how he became an alcoholic and blah blah his life and all that and in the, in the, mean, in the middle of the conversation he had a s it turned out he had a son that he hadn't met since he was six months old and I was 22 at the time and his son was the same age as me and I couldn't get my head around it and I was like you've never met him like where is he now he's like oh he's in blah 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 and I was like Jesus Christ so I wrote a song saying I can see it in your sunken eyes your hungry faces so that you haven't slept in days and kind of described this man and kind of sang the chorus of look there's a bright day coming it was a positive turn and my cousin is a re really talented guitarist and he still is to say he works in the music industry now and um, I would go over to him with these songs I'd written on acoustic guitar he would record them put some lead guitar onto it my brother had taken up drums at the time so we're like let's start a fucking band you're like my the cousin on bass and you're living in London at the time no no this is all in Dublin so you're like uh, the Irish version of the Hansons the Hansons yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Mullins really <laughs> the Mullins uh, we actually called the band Fathom which was after the name of the road that my gr our grandparents live on and we gigged around for a year and a half I wrote the songs but honestly Cornelius I had to include a fucking plug in electric guitar at the start of it R wow. and by the end of it like I bought a couple of guitars I was Jesus, mad into it and that to me now is someone fucking just living that, yeah, that yeah, to me yeah. now honestly like yeah. I think some people might look at that and go what the fuck were you doing would you, why would you do that you didn't know what you were doing like you're yeah completely living there oh, you you're doing what yeah. like you obviously aren't going to make any money out of it immediately yeah. not, but it, it is your ambition so you you have to like work what were you what were you working at, at I the was time? working in a charity as a day job at that time yeah and uh, and that, that that was the the band was the beginning of the end for the football because lads in football would not accept that so no. you get taking the piss out of no. being in the band I was growing my hair long yeah. you know I had an earring and blah 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 yeah. so then I just stopped playing football so then tell me now right so you're playing in this band you were saying you were doing it for about a year and a half. Yeah. And then you decide, you know what? Fucking, I want to I wanna level up here now. Like, I'm looking at Brad Pitt there now, and I'm thinking, <laughs> look at George Clooney, and I'd say they're making a few quid. <laughs> you know what? Fuck the music. Fuck the professional football. Let's be an actor. Is that, am I right in saying that? Is that the next the next step? No, I actually pursued music, and that detour in pursuing, pursuing music ended up in acting. So I was in the charity, and part of the job, as I said about the charity, was to people who hadn't finished school or long-term unemployed get them into workplace or further education and I was doing that as a job and kind of going hold on a second I fucking wouldn't mind doing something Yeah. and I was enjoying the band and I was like I bet you because none of the schools I went to did anything creative I bet you I'd do well if I studied something creative I went and applied to a load of back to education courses and by complete chance the only thing that came up was a theatre and performance VTAC level 5 and uh, I theatre was theatre and performance VTAC level 5 what 
what, what, what does VTAC level 5 mean? That's basically the equivalent com- com- qualification of, of a leaving cert. Okay. But in a specific so area. S- and how long was this course? A year. And what, tell me about that course now. I basically joined, I actually, jo- I actually got into film and television production first. I, I was there a week and I was like, I was acting the bollocks in class and the lads were like, you know there's a theatre performance thing downstairs, you'd be much more suited to that. Yeah. I asked to change, they said no problem. And what was it like? I felt old at the time. I was 24 and I was a load of kids who, d- oh who yeah. didn't get their leaving cert points. So 19 and 20 year old. And you'd be in front of a class full of people and she'd say, okay, read this monologue for the class. And they'd be like, oh, you're not fucking reading that. No way. I was like, are you joking me? Give me the fucking thing. Mm. And then I'd start acting and all that. And I remember, pardon me, I remember the, the, the tutor saying, you're, you know, you're very good at this. And then later on in the year, I was uh, doing some bar work and picked up a slip on the floor of the teachers club where I used to work for years and they were doing auditions for Harold Pinter's The Homecoming. I auditioned for that and I got the part. What, what was it, that was a play? Was that was a play and I played the part of Lenny and that's t- to this day probably the best play I'd ever done. Is and did you amazing. tour with that play? No, it was just done in the teachers club for a week. It sold out for the week. It was very popular and I got the buzz of that that kind of the band had since sorry at the when I was pursuing the music education it was because my brother moved to Australia we'd lost the drummer we didn't get anybody else so I was like well we'll just park this for a while and see what happens and I ended up getting this acting in an amateur play amateur production but like you know the fucking actors were amazing like Mm. the people I was working with I was a baby in the whole thing and I had these massive huge monologues to do and I was playing a cockney and um, it was a real challenge and I I did lots of extra work with the director on that and I just, it just sometimes you feel that you're good at something and, and that worked out. And basically a few months after that, I did an audition for Drew Theatre Company. And that's how I started as an actor. I, I was touring the country. So you had no agent. You, you just saw no that. No agent. Uh, you saw that audition uh, online or? At, so how I got the Druid audition was, and this is where comedy comes in, was I Googled who were the best agents in Ireland. Three came up. Uh, two of them didn't reply to me one of them is now my agent <laughs> but and one person did and they said it was a funny email basically saying this is my life this is all my fuck ups this is the, where I come from but fuck me I'm good at what I do I know I'm talented and I just need all I need is a chance and it's one casting director called Maureen Hughes uh, lots of people who listen to this and know her she gives loads of people breaks like that she liked my email brought me in for an audition for uh, a TV show called Raw do you remember that? I do and they said um, the Great director, Char- Char- what's, what's Charlie McKenna Charlie was in McKenna, it, and yeah. Ashley O'Sullivan was in it. Yeah. And uh, they, the director, literally said, uh, "I'm too scared." He's you're very good, but I'm too scared to cast you. He's never been in it. Like he was like, like "How can I?" Ca-? He's never been in anything. It was for a decent part. So she was like, "Well, I'll bring it. I'll bring it. Sh- I'll bring it to Gary Hines of of Drew Theatre Company. I know Gary will take a fucking punt to him because at least Gary would spend six w- weeks with me in a in a rehearsal room and bash me into shape mm. and she did and i got the i got the opportunity to wow. to do that and uh, again it was amazing now, again now right this is all you fucking just wanting this and it happening because you want it and you're following it it's just opening up for you like from from the ba- the, the band had finished right and i was still in the charity and i was like i i'll go back to education i'll apply i'll apply to something not knowing what i was applying yeah. to from the moment I had left the job with nowhere to go to, to the moment mm. I got cast and drew a theatre company was eight months. And, so I, and I had no clue that I was going to be an actor. Yeah. No clue. So there is so there is a long eight months there where you're wor- you're probably working away doing your normal job and you're just kind of going... Well, I, 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 was, I, was, I, I, was, I started the, the, the course, so I was doing the course in mm-hmm. daytime, but then kind of going, what the fuck? I was and applying for drama schools. I got into... The last round of auditions of RAD, I got offered like places in drama schools and all that. But uh, how many auditions have you done in your life? <laughs> Put a number Not on me. It. I don't know, man. Um, I, like I'm, I'm t- uh, since I started the official acting gig, since I got cast in that role, including actually, voiceovers now, because you do a lot of voiceover work. You're doing you don't audition for voiceovers, thankfully. Don't you, you? Just have a reel oh and, yeah. they, and they like they like that or they don't. But I'm actually ten years since I started since I left the charity. It's 10 years ago, no, 11 years ago now, as we're speaking. Mm. Um, and it's actually 10 years since I got cast in the Druid show now. So I've been auditioning since then. So it's 10 years of auditioning. And there was a good two or three years where I refused to audition then for a while. And I was living in London. I was like, fuck acting, fuck tea, like all <laughs> that, blah, blah. And then I came back and started comedy. I don't know, hundreds, man. Hundreds. hundreds. I wouldn't say thousands now because I did have well, a hundreds is a l- is a l- Hundreds is a lot anyway. Yeah. Like, um, and ho- like... You know what's the success rate? Then we'll say, let's say you did a hundred, let's say you did a hundred, let's say you did a thousand, one thousand, 
auditions. What's the success rate? I think when you're starting out and you don't have a, a status level, uh, it depends on your look and stuff like that. But it's lo- out of a thousand, five percent. If you're lucky, man. If you're lucky. Yeah, less. Yeah, I'd say probably less. I'd say less. Because like this is what this is why uh, there's a point I'm getting to is, so you've. You <laughs> You've just decided to become an actor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When you look back and it's like You've just <laughs> sent an email. You've nearly get ca- you nearly get cast in this. Yeah, yeah. Like Raw was brilliant for yeah. everyone. Uh, is my just checking here now. Oh yeah. Like Raw was brilliant. It was like uh, it was of its time but yes. in the kitchen. Yeah. Like like drama in the kitchen. It was really, yeah. really well. Um, Tiny James was in it as well. People become big stars off that show. Like Sam Keeley's fucking big in LA <laughs> now, like yeah. Like you it re- like really and truly, and you nearly get in that and then you don't get it, but you get to tour with Druid, yeah. and anyone who's listening to this podcast and is any is even remotely aware of the Irish yeah. um, uh, literary scene and and and, and theatre uh, scene, theater scene yeah, yeah. they're going to know about Druid. Well, Gary Hines, that 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 director, she was the first woman ever to win a Tony Award for directing. The Tonys are basically the Oscars of of theatre. Yeah, and she won it in 1998 for 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 what for doing Martin McDonough's first place, and he's obviously a huge Hollywood head now as well in film writing and filmmaking, like. Um, yeah, Gary Hines is like the best. She's uh, the best. And you, 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 jet jettisoned yourself yeah. into into that. Like that's amazing. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So I want to m- I want to move on because like we could we could literally still be talking about Maradona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> we really could. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, or we could go. The World Association was was pretty good as well. <laughs> we could go. We could delve deeper into that priesthood <laughs> issue. But anyway, um, so you you're with you do the thing with druids. Do you get an agent then on the back of that? Because I'd imagine that would be yeah. something that would hold a bit of credence. Basically, yeah. Because, I mean, like I signed <laughs> I signed with one agency straight away. The ones that, that basically sent me for that audition, they said, we want to represent you. And I remember having a conversation with them. I said, like, well, I'm after getting offered a college place <laughs> in a drama thing. And they were like, well, there's no point in you doing that. You don't need that. People do three years of college to get what you have now. So there's no point in, <laughs> in doing it. Like, they, they have clients for years. What about those poor fuckers who are in college? They, they have clients for <laughs> years. Wasting their time. <laughs> They had clients for years that would love to fucking work with Druid. And I remember people, like, people giving out to me, you don't realise how fucking lucky you are. And I was. It was very, very... I was right place, right time, and yeah. right bit of balls. And uh, and I was also cast... I was the right look for the, for, for needing to be in the siblings of that family that I was within yes. at the time. You ticked so a lot of the boxes yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. I t- the, you know, and you had the talent as well. Let's yeah, call yeah, a spade yeah. a spade. Yeah, like. no, that, that was, you know, that was the, the timing of all that was the was, uh, thing. But I got, I got that agent, and then they were very much pushing me towards theatre, theatre, theatre. They're a bit more of an old-school agency. And I went on to study film acting in the factory, which was what uh, that was an amazing time. They're now called Bow Street Acting Academy, but we I was the first year of the course that, that to do that. But Maureen Hughes had got me into that, the same woman, and we were working with Kirsten Sheridan, Jim Sheridan, Killian Murphy would come in and do a class with us. Uh, Stephen Ray would come in and do a class Jesus. with us. It was all so informal. There was no there was no curriculum. Like it was yeah. just made up as they went along. And look at look at Barry Keown. He's a big star. Yeah. Like now he 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 was in there. Um, Jack Rayner, like loads of people were in the factory. Um, and out of that, I did we did like a showcase so I did a three minute acting scene where I played uh, Ray Winston's character in Nil by Mouth so it was really emotional crying cockney kind of thing talking about my dad dying and basically Lisa Richards signed me off the back of that um, and I, I oh, was I was looking them, to move agency. Them right, that real then is this? No, they were at the they were at the they were at the screening. Oh yeah, they were all invited into screening, and uh, I was looking to move on because I wasn't getting on with this agency because they were like, you've got to go to drama school, you've got to sit the theatre, and I just didn't feel for whatever reason that I was going to fit that mould. They have really successful theatre actors, and I wasn't going to fit that mould. You were kind of saying, you know what? Football, not for me. Music, not <laughs> yeah. for me. Drama, not for me. You know what I want? I want movies. So that brings <laughs> well, us on to Lisa Richards. Well, 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 do you know what? The problem was, at the time, there was a lot of hate for people who did say, I don't want to do the theatre scene. And it was the, the attitude was, you have to do your years and years and years of theatre before you'll be good enough to do it on film. Mm. And people like Barry Cohn, who's never stepped on a stage in his life, are proving the whole fucking thing is horseshit. Yeah. And you can go and fucking do whatever it is Well, it's nice for them to be able to say that because it gives them more control then, you see. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. They just want to control. And then, so I was look, I was talking to UK agents at the time. I wanted to move to London. That was my big thing. And uh, basically, I had a conversation with Lisa Richards and they were like, are you looking for an agent? Do you want to move? And I was like, yeah. And I, and I moved with them for loads of reasons. They were very loving towards me. Um, and they still are to this day. They've been very kind to me in the last ten years because I would say I haven't been the haven't been the worst client, but I haven't been the easiest because I got to a point with the acting where things weren't working out for me that I basically said I'm not doing acting anymore. 
and the, and then or else I'm moving to London. They're like, would you just stay here for a minute so we can get you going here? And like, no, no, no. And I didn't necessarily listen to him, but I had to do my thing. And then I came. Then I'm in London coming back going, I'm a comedian now, book me for gigs. And they're like, for fuck's sake, you know, this so, guy's volatile. So when you went to, you went, you kind of, you, okay, so when you went into, um, when you left Druid and you went into film and yeah. TV, yeah. did you do much film and TV? Uh, I did, yeah, bits and pieces. I did like very small parts in films. I did one indie film where I had a lead role with Brian Gleeson, which was a comedy. And that was the first time that I, for myself, realised oh, this is something I'm good at within the comedy. Yeah. Because acting in itself, loads of people can act. And it's, it's a very difficult business. And a lot of it now is, you know, obviously you have to yeah, look the right part. And mm. there's lo- all these different things. But comedy is not something everyone can do. But then comedy acting for camera is not something that anyone can do. So mm. there's all these crossover skills that I was beginning to realize that I had. And that comedy went really, really well for me. And um, people just started to... like. I, the other bad thing was like I'd be doing auditions, tapes for like a really dark dramatic role and then my agent would be calling me going like that was gas that was very funny I was like that's, that's, that's supposed to be funny that was supposed to be fucking balling my eyes out there um, and uh, so just a natural inkling and of course my father was like I'm telling you you should be doing comedy mm. but um, just not realising that I had that comic thing you know so you're in London and you're still kind of pursuing that so how did you how did you get into how did you st- where did you start doing comedy I where, what clubs where, where was your first gig my first well and how did you get that gig I so when and I what was did you do? <laughs> when I was in London I had a couple of bad experiences coming back to Ireland doing a couple of TV shows one was good and then I was having like I had panic attacks a couple of times on set I was getting too anxious about stuff I had to do a scene where I was to be executed in a scene and I just maybe to, maybe that's where this the training comes in because if you do drama school you're able to turn it on turn it off separate yourself a little bit okay and I was just living in this fucking thing in my head and it wasn't good for my mental health to be no. honest with you and um and so and then I did another job where this guy just hired me to act in the scene and because he'd seen me playing German in a short film like speaking in German he thought I'd be able to do Irish no bother and I just couldn't the German thing I just kind of hacked it away I had a German speaker on set and he would tell me how to say the line <laughs> and then I would just deliver and the, I went I was basically casting this show he never auditioned me I was on set doing the scene and then to do a take and he goes this isn't good enough I was like like it's mortifying. Mm. And I basically got the boot off that job, mm. and I I didn't I didn't audition then for years after that. And I was mm. like, fuck this. Um, I was gutted. And my one of my best pals um, in in acting was he was playing my brother in the scene, and he was all over me, kind of going, fuck him. It's not their fault. You don't speak, you know, blah blah blah. All this, and just please forget about it. Forget about it. And I could just I was so mortified that I didn't go back to it and, and I you're on you're still on Lisa Richards books then are they sending yes, you for as an actor uh, but they're sending are they sending you for are they sending you auditions at a little bit and I was I was but turning I was turning stuff down and yeah. just kind of going I haven't got time to do that tape or I haven't got you know I was just mortified by the whole thing yeah and so when when does the comedy come in comedy comes in then uh, around that time when um I I come back to Ireland for my mother's 60th and my dad says would you say a few words and I wrote this hypothetical letter to my mother. <laughs> Basically, the letter, the premise of the letter was like, I'm just writing to you to see what it's what, what is okay to say and not to say at your 60th birthday party, <laughs> right? <laughs> so telling all these mad stories of her hopping out of the shower and the nip to give out to us and all this kind of blah, blah. So there's 100 people there and the best feeling ever, I'm reading out this letter, standing in the microphone, telling this story and the best feeling ever, like everyone's roaring laughing. But my uncle wiping tears away from his eyes and I was like, Jesus, that feels good now. Yeah. I feel good doing that. And uh, there's an energy you get from a good gig, isn't oh, there? Oh, like, and I didn't know it was a gig, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And that, like, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah mass is a gig at this stage of the yeah, race, yeah, like, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? And I went back to London and I said, I'll try this comedy thing, and I did some research into the open mic scene. And I started in the open mic scene there, and I, I remember, never forget my, f- I died on my fucking hole, like, I never sweated as much in my life. I had this premise of this guy that I worked with who was English when I was working in London. And he was there, you know, just, you know, the Irish charm that you have is just, you just, you know, you talk to a girl and she talks back to you. It's amazing. How do you do that? You know, <laughs> he was just constantly trying to find a girlfriend and he couldn't fucking do it. Like, you know, and he would do stuff like, uh, hello, um, uh, I would say something. Why don't you just say hello and give, give, her, give a girl a compliment if you like her, for example. There was a girl that he worked with. He was mad, you know, he loved her and he just couldn't do anything about it. I give her a compliment or something. He's like, hello, you, I must say you look, uh, no, no, nothing. You know, <laughs> just shit his pants, right? <laughs> 
So I went up on stage and it was like, it's brilliant. I've got this whole bit on this guy that I work with. He's so nice and he blah, blah. And I went up And you're after killing it at your mother's 60 as well. Yeah, like, yeah. So you're full of confidence. And I was like, I'll fucking go on to They'll all laugh at this. And I was up there going, there's this guy I work with. And he's all like, you know, and all this fucking shit. And it was silence for five minutes. And uh, of course, being the fucking, the, of course, in hindsight, they're all sitting there going, yeah, that's how we talk, you fucking clown. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If I did that in Cork, it might have gone down yeah. a lot better. Like, yeah. But they were going, that's but how But you we don't know your talk. audience at that stage. No. It's your second gig. So you're just like, you build you build up a portfolio of work on the open mic scene yeah. for a year, two years? Eight months before I, I started getting open spots on the clubs over there, which is pretty hard to do. And uh, it took me a while to crack getting laughs over there. Yeah. Also, it took a while to, the open mic scene over there is a minefield. So you've got to know which gigs to avoid. You have to. Yeah. Because sometimes you'd be... I remember this one gig I kept going back to. And I was like, I have to have a good gig at this fucking show. And then I realised, they're all... Now, in hindsight, they were... I was uh, early, so like four or five years ago. They were all men in their 40s and up, standing at the back of the room, just laughing at each other's jokes. Mm. But they would never make an audience of strangers laugh. Yeah. You know? And so, realising, that's no good for you at all. Why do you want no. th- Why do you want them on your side? You no. fucking, you know? And it's like, it's like what I was talking to you about earlier, about running clubs, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I yeah. go back. Yeah. And sometimes I'd find myself... You need When you're a comedian, you need to be a traveling bard like yeah i mean yeah you yes. need to have you need to have your your gym your boxing ring yes. your regular spot where you can go every week and yeah do your 10 or 15 yeah. minutes but like you can't go back to that place three no. or four times a week no. because it's no good for you no you have to be in front of different types of people uh, you know small audiences yeah. big audiences laughers non-laughers yes. yeah yeah you need to be able to be in a room where they're dead and you have to try and absolutely like it's a it's that's a your training that's, that's, a training. A tra- that's vital to, to to be a live stand-up come comedy performer that is your training you have to do all the rooms so you're you you switch over then you get onto lisa richards you say yeah i'm actually a comedian now this is like again right i I don't even have a fucking agent and here you are now becoming a footballer i want to be that a musician (laughs) i wanted to be that an actor i wanted to be that and now let's like i tried them like i didn't necessarily (laughs) succeed at them you only decided that you didn't want them (laughs) and moved on and now here you are you're like yeah do you know the way it's very hard to get an agent um and you're already in representing me there for this would you actually start booking me for this here and it, it just transpired no i have to say at this stage of races um we still haven't met you and i haven't met as humans mm. on, on this on this journey until you kind of move back from london mm. into ireland mm. and you're to be fair you're excellent mm. absolutely fantastic stand-up comedian mm. and i've worked with you in the past absolutely brilliant um but you come back and you you're you're not coming back alone no what uh, happened well basically in 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 london i started um after another uh, trip to Argentina of personal self-discovery, actually in 2016, I went on holidays and I, was, I had a real moment. I was traveling around Argentina and I was down in Patagonia and I met a load of these um, Israeli, God bless them, these poor, you know the way you have to do your conscription in Israel? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I can't remember what the name of the holiday is, but for some reason they all go to Argentina anyway. Uh, and they're fucking... This is where we nearly caught Hitler. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was and over there. And they're like, they're mentally disturbed. And I felt like, I, mean, I was stuck in a hostel with them down in Patagonia. And there's one fellow was just like, he'd obviously seen things that were fucking horrific. And he was like, it was awful. And I remember, for whatever reason, I was having a few days in Patagonia, one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I was depressed off my fucking head. And I was saying to myself, I'm sick of being on my own. I'm sick of traveling on my own. I'm sick of doing life on my own. I really want to meet somebody, you know. And uh, I got back to London and started and also was kind of like i'm sick of fucking being a waiter and the acting thing hasn't worked out so what am i going to do and i i had been humming and hawing about comedy for a year and so i went back to it uh i'd done like one or two gigs and didn't stick at it and then i properly started in 2016 and um when i went back and i was actually one night after doing one of my gigs were in that club that i just told you about with all the fucking men laughing at each other's jokes I went into this place for a, a slice of pizza. I got chatting to the, the, the guy behind there who was cooking the pizza, Californian guy who was nice. And this beautiful Latina girl was there serving me. And I remembered her because I'd asked her out a year before and she basically turned me down. Right. And she didn't uh, she didn't recognize me from the time before. She said, hello, sir, have you been here before? I'm like, do you not fucking No, Do you remember this? No, no, okay. <laughs> um, so I was chatting her up again and thankfully I still had her number. I asked her out uh, after that. We went out on a date and um, so we were seeing each other. And seven months later, we had the surprise of our lives with a, <laughs> a little baby on the way. <laughs> Bear in mind, I am a... a so you're definitely going out with her now, anyway. In, <laughs> <laughs> in, in this, in this um, 
Bear in mind, I'm a waiter in London who considers himself a failed actor, not good, not ever thinking that you you could ever go back to it. And starting out as a stand-up comedian, mm. um, and a baby on the way. And uh, basically, we were the plan was to, to have our daughter born in Portugal, where my partner's from. And there's no there's no um, plans to leave London, and we were planning to come back to London. And uh, my agents had been humming and ha- I'd been kind of nagging them about representing me for comedy. And they had seen me perform and they were like thinking about it, thinking about it and nothing had come back. And I just called them up one day and I said, listen, I'm about, it was June. My daughter was due to be born early August. We were still in London and no plans to go anywhere. And uh, I said, you're going to have to fucking, they, they said to me we'd represent you, but we can't do that if you're living in London. You'd have to move to Ireland. And I was like, fucking hell. Uh, I went back to her and I said, they're saying that I could have a comedy agent, but I'd have to move. But, and she, before I finished, said, yeah, let's go. And that was like, I was like, fucking hell, she'd only been there once, right. you know? Yeah, um, but like, I mean, like I I always say this about partners and it goes both ways. You have to support each other's yeah, dreams, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And if, if there's ever, if you're ever in a, you know, if you're with, if your partner isn't supportive. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a fucking hard life then. Yeah, you I know? mean, it's it, it it is hard being a family man and doing the comedy because the role as a father is such an important mm. one, and we are involved in and we want to be so involved in our ch- in our child's lives. Mm. But yes, the, the, for somebody to say that they love you and to say that they love that you're you're follow pursuing this dream. I, I, like I've said it many times, I don't know if I'd still be doing stand-up comedy if I wasn't with her. Yeah, well, there you go. Do you know what I mean? I probably would have walked away from it a lot. No, it's beautiful. Ago. Like it's beautiful, and you and like as I said, you that's that's when I started to notice you because I like I'm predominantly based in Ireland. I've gigged abroad, but like really, do you know, like the fringe. Yeah, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah. The fringe yeah. is only a month, um, and I've done stuff stuff in Sweden and Denmark. But you're talking about one or two gigs, like do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm predominantly in Ireland. So, but I would be very well versed in what's going on in Ireland. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, then I was like, "Who is this wonderful fella?" And he's, and he's saying he's from Cork. <laughs> and, I, and he's saying he's from fucking Middleton. <laughs> I lived. I never met him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bluffer, like. Yeah. He's a bluffer. I'm Cork. But um, no, you're very good. And then you you brought your. You, I remember you brought your was it Son of a Preacher Man your first yeah. solo show and like it's an interesting solo show because we actually haven't even talked about this mm. now at all mm. your dad mm. is a preacher man yeah I mean he hasn't done it in a while he does the odd Nixer from time to time <laughs> now like he does the odd funeral the odd for a bit of cash on the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah growing up in Middleton that was he was essentially even though he's from Cork he was a missionary for uh, an organisation called Baptist Missions and he started Co- a Middleton Baptist Church and uh, and then that's why he moved to Dublin as well because he got a job with another church and that's why we moved around a little bit growing up and what's that show then all about is it just the, your experiences it's about basically um, I've seen it like, but this is just for the yeah yeah the it's viewers it's essentially listeners. about what it was like to grow up in in a in a council estate I'm not saying like I, I suppose I got people laugh and some people take offense to what I say about where I grew up but it what look it, it was rough it was rough at the time and in the 90s and does like I'm still best pals with with the people I grew up with there but it has it had its troubles so it was it was a difficult place to to grow up grow up in not for just for a lot of people but especially if you're sticking out like a sore thumb as the holy joe family we used to call us jehovah's all the time like and um my mother's obviously foreign as well so she speaks with a funny accent and in those days there was nobody yeah. from outside of there was no immigrants in Ireland yeah. like in the I way there is today I saw a fellow one time from Kentork and I was like I couldn't believe it like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know but that's how insular Ireland yeah, yeah, was yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know well, that's a, that was a ha- that's what happened to me last night. I was like, I was introducing when I w- when I was doing the gig last night in Ballincollig, and I said, well, obviously you can see by the head of me, I'm not like I'm not fully from around here. And your one in the front says, are you from the north side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, son of a preacher man is basically about growing up in that scenario, battling having to be the preacher's son because of certain expectations of you. But I was breaking rules all the time, trying to fit in. Trying to not get bullied, so you know, I was like, I'd lost. You were a bit of a tearaway as a young fellow. Yeah, I like I literally, I, I like you know, I'd lost my virginity at a very young age, and I was drinking and smoking and doing drugs at a young age and all that. And by the time I was eighteen, I ended up in a psychiatric ward, and then you know, the the journey out out of that basically. No, it's it's a beautiful. Can that be viewed anywhere? Actually, I have it recorded. I just haven't put it up anywhere. You should totally put it up. Well, I suppose I suppose you should talk to your agent about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But like, it is. It's a beautiful show. Like, Mm. I mean, it's real. It's real heartfelt. Yeah. but, But I have to say as well. 
it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked at that. All it's right. so funny. That and you're you've got a great talent for for writing comedy, but I think you've got a great talent for your act outs as well. Yes, yeah. Like you yeah. do your mother. Do your mother there now. Um, uh, well, no, no, no. I don't talk like that. Okay, Just do not believe what he says. Okay, Steven, come in for your dinner. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? What did she say to us recently? Yeah, this is this is my mom. Like honestly, I am not racist. I just don't like those Muslim countries. <laughs> Mother, that's literally funny. <laughs> She's very Latin about her humor sometimes as well, and she thinks it's funny. You're going, that's racist. That's actually racist, ma'am. She's not racist. <laughs> it's just the humor sometimes, you know. But she, um, that's the thing I even see with my, own, my with my dad as well. Like, and even people of my dad's ilk, like they are just so casually racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm not yeah, racist yeah, at all. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. Sold, I sold a cat to two or three black men. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. like, they're, like my dad yeah. is, n- is not even remotely not racist. at all, yeah. But he would have language that yeah. is viewed today exactly, as extremely yeah, yeah. racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Um, I kind of laugh at it. Uh, but then... Uh, I'm glad you said that about the actors because uh, like, I've honestly been working on that to do more of it because I think I naturally express myself comedically by being physical yeah. and good. That, that, that to uh, me oh, you're excellent at funny it. Because I tell you what happened to me, it has happened to me in, in London. There's a very specific <laughs> belief in what comedy is over there. And I'm not saying... Joke, tag, 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 callback, joke, tag, Stand tag, there, tag. tell a joke. Yeah. Good writing. Yeah. And they actually... Very well written. They, they talk about... The least amount of words you're, as you're possible. You're an Irish comedian. Oh, yeah. Story. They always fob you off as a storyteller. As if... I, I, can I hear you doing a good story? Excuse me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they do fob... And that was a frustration on the scene over there. And I start, when I started off, I was actually being really, really, really physical. And one of my best pals, this is like my teenage, my partner was like, don't fucking listen to him. He said to me, he's like, you know, you're very, very good. You don't need to do all that jumping around. But your best friends will always cut and you it was the, the worst, deepest, man. It was the, wor- like, it was the worst thing. And that's because he stands there yeah. going, uh, so I was, uh, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I can't, can you speak up? I yeah. can't hear you. No, and um, listen, I tell but you that now, actually that actually knocked me off course a little bit for years. I've no doubt it does because your best friends, c- c- they are the people that will cut you yeah. and your family. They will yeah. cut you the deepest with remarks that they mean to be complimentary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they set you off course. And they'll set you off course. Yeah. They'll lo- they'll kill you with. They literally yeah. will kill you with kindness. Yeah. You know, yeah. their version of kindness. Yes. Yeah. But uh, no, your act outs are amazing. I remember, like, that is one, like, one thing that I would, uh, I would, if someone asked me to describe your act, I would say great writing, you know, brilliant jokes, high energy, excellent act outs. Yeah. That, you know? the, the, and you know what's helped as well, especially with my daughter, the age that she's getting to now, is I, I do it with her all the time. Mm. And I realize that this is making her laugh, that I can make adults laugh, yeah. because I can add this to being. You know, so like even her mom the other uh, yesterday morning said to me, she was like, she was in a bit of a fucking mood, you know, and she was like, the fucking do blah 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 blah, blah. and uh, and I went back to her and I said, you know, I could have helped you with that situation if you'd come and just asked me politely, mm. I would have helped you with that, and she, instead of just fucking moaning all morning, she said, I was not moaning, I went, I was, this is you this morning, and my daughter is pissing herself, yeah. fucking laughing, and and, and wherever you can find like, an audience, like yeah, exactly, <laughs> lockdown is tough, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 and my partner's gone, she's laughing, going, I was not like that, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and it's just stupid. But yeah. that makes me laugh. But silliness is silliness through a grown from a grown man yeah. is always hilarious. Yeah. Um. So you do you do the son of a preacher man. Yes. You, you bring it to Edinburgh. Great success. You tour it around Ireland. Yeah. Um. You're writing another show. Everything is going great. Mm. You're <laughs> yeah. you're like the rest of us. You're yeah. working as hard yeah. as the next man. Yeah. And then March. Yeah. 2021 comes yeah. and boom you're at home yeah. there's no gigs you're living in rented accommodation with your wife and child in Dublin suddenly the PUP is, is the only alternative mm. and then like the rest of us you're getting on with it but then you m- I see an article in the Irish Times is it? <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying I've quit comedy <laughs> <laughs> it did. I'm going to be a philosopher <laughs> that, that <laughs> <laughs> that's a myth. That's a bit of a myth because I think the headline of that article was misleading because the headline of the article was I used to be a stand-up comedian. That's it. And then when you read it, it's that's actually just a line I was saying in conversation mm. to another to another parent of the, the journalists. And and I wasn't I wasn't actually saying that I was giving it up. And I specifically say that the, at the end of the article, I'm like, it's just a horrible break up in a relationship yeah. that you don't know what's going to happen but you did no, and, and, and you're back now sure listen man you're back you're definitely not giving up comedy I know that mm. like, like um, but you did 
obviously we had no we'd no gigs during the mm-hmm. lockdown but like like you didn't just sit down and watch netflix yeah. and go for walks with your yeah. kid you went back and you s- you studied philosophy in, in yeah i did i did a little known college what was, what was the name of that college well <laughs> it's a small little college well called it's affiliated with trinity college trinity Dublin, college yeah. <laughs> trinity yeah now, you know now just go back in time now <laughs> did you do your junior certs I failed it, yeah. Did you do your leaving cert? No. So you had no <laughs> leaving cert. You became a footballer. Then you became a musician. Yeah, yeah. Then you went I into, you toured with Druid. <laughs> then you made a few movies. Then you were a stand-up <laughs> comedian. And now you're going to Trinity and you haven't even got a leaving when cert. When you package it like that, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a bit annoying. Yeah. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm only packaging it the way it fucking occurs. <laughs> it's a... Uh, well, yeah, well, honestly, the Trinity Access Program, I cannot recommend it enough. It's for people who are, who, um, for whatever reasons, did not, did not finish school. Mm-hmm. Um, mature students who did not finish school, etc., etc. Honestly. Was it hard? It was very hard. It was. I worked my whole off for it. And it was the best thing that happened to me over the course of the last um, uh, nine months or more, whatever, the last academic year. Just to, just before you go now, because I just want to paint a little picture. Before this now, you had started up your podcast. Your podcast is going a year. Hello, Steve Ozzy's podcast. Yeah. Please check it out. It's actually amazing. I was on yeah, a couple of episodes myself, and it is a very, very good. There's lots of episodes there. Lots of the big you have a big, you have a big, and you might you might come back and start it off yeah. again, but you took a, you, you, you said, look, I'm stopping my podcast. Yeah. You pretty much came off social media. Yeah. And you said, "Look, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm like you. You did like, because yeah. I mean, like when, when we're, when you're in our business, you're looking on social media, at other people's yeah. stories and what, and what not yeah. the whole time. You kind of disappeared. Yeah. And you went off <laughs> to study philosophy yeah. during a fucking pandemic. I yeah. like, and uh, for me, I think it's amazing because, like, I struggled in school as well. Yeah. And um, and I remember talking to you before. You had your own hang-ups about it. You know, w- would you be able to do yes, it? Yes. Yes. But like." What was it like having to like to like? Is it hard studying? Is it like it? it, it it's what what like some of the things that they did with us in the Trinity Access program. I thought were beautiful because they really accepted us. Like we're we're talking about, for example you and I would have conversations about how our children are going to learn now and the landscape of education for them now and what if they don't learn this way, what if they learn that way. And we're constantly having these conversations. But that did not happen when you and I were kids. No. You just go to school, you go to the blah, 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 blah. Like None of the schools I went to ever did art. Like That's crazy for me, for, for, for somebody of my personality and what I could have done as a child, that there was no outlet anywhere that I went. Like in Middleton, there was no drama society. There was not like all that stuff. It was sports, sports, sports. So... Um, now in this year in the Trinity Access program they did stuff with us like at the beginning of it like to find out what type of learner are you are you an auditory learner are you a kinesthetic learner are you a visual oh, learner wow. all that stuff I realise I, I am auditory and kinesthetic if you're going to stand there and talk at me I'm going to learn fuck all but if I can have a conversation with you I'm, go- I'm, I'm able to get basically get my teeth into what it is that you're saying I will learn a lot more if I am writing a routine now I, and I never did this before and I never really wrote stuff down I would constantly have a bullet point but I'd figure it out on stage the wording of it I might say the same words but that's not written down anywhere um, so now I realise I need to talk to myself out loud all the time it's a bit embarrassing sometimes but for me that's how I'm going to have to write because it's kinesthetic I have to wear it I have to feel it in my body to be able to do it that's how I learned I learned that from making coffee down the years and from the odd bit of work I did in kitchens and stuff like that the chef would repeat to me I told you this is what goes with this but once I had it in I remembered it beyond everybody else I, I had to feel it um, I learned for coffee for example for dialing in the machine all that I worked off smell and taste all the time and so you know wow. I'm physical I'm that, that, like the human the human body and mind are so fucking complex mm. because I think it's hilarious like I mean I, I've often seen this meme where you see like um, a goldfish stuck up in a tree or you see a g- you, you, yeah no you see like a, a, a sliced pan up in a tree and there's a goldfish on a bowl yeah. and there's a monkey on a bowl or there's a monkey standing beside yeah. the goldfish goldfish and um, uh, the, the, they're both asked to climb up the tree like yeah, the fish yeah, is yeah. never going to be able to get up the yeah, tree yeah. you know it's the yeah. same with the leaving search you you had you know you had your nine you had your six or nine subjects yeah. you know if you're good at memory if yeah. you and with maths is probably the ex, is probably the exception but if you're good at memory you're going to do mm-hmm. a good uh, uh, and regurgitating information but that way of learning is very interesting to mm. me and it's something that I personally never experienced and uh, it is something that's uh, you know I, I do see it even with Harvey School I was telling you about this 
uh, beforehand that you know they have like they have special needs teachers now yes. inside. Yes. There's a whole different approach now to yes. to the educa to education. That's kind of exciting mm. um, compared to where we came from. Mm. But like, I think that's a f I think that's fascinating. So you've done you did the philosophy, you did your, and then you got accepted to you do. You basically did nine modules. It was like a general arts. So you did English literature, like of of the academic. You do five academic subjects. So it's English literature, philosophy, psychology, history, and statistics. And then you do extra ones that are like research and study skills and um, personal and professional development. So things that kind of pair and, cr and cross over with helping you to be better at, your, uh, uh, at all the subjects that you're doing. And the idea is that you have to get a certain amount of marks to be able to, to apply to go to Trinity College. And I always want to, I wanted to be, my idea going back to education was I want to be a better critical thinker. And um, it just so happened that the things that I flourished at on the Trinity Access program was English literature and philosophy, which are big critical thinking um, uh, subjects. But philosophy is fantastic because we had one lecture with a head Trinity College. So we weren't in Trinity College, we're in the Access program. But then sometimes a lecturer from Trinity will come down and talk to the Access program students. And we talked to one philosopher and he really, like really impressed upon us that you, you, you don't um you're not doing philosophy unless your starting point is I know nothing, right? And the other thing is you're not doing philosophy unless you're doing exactly what you and I are doing now. You can't do philosophy reading a book. You can't do philosophy just writing about it. Doing philosophy is engaging with the problems, kinesthetically feeling it, kinda going, this is like okay, so if you say that it that means that so how does that work in this situation? How do we move that you, unless you're debating, unless you're that's how Socrates did it, you know, way back in the ancient Greeks. He was in the middle of the square going, uh, why do you think that's Pass right? it in! <laughs> Pass it in! Whip it in, will you, for he fuck's sake? I think he went to Trinity as well. <laughs> so yeah. you, you, you excelled in those nine modules. You got distinctions in the yeah, Don't be telling everyone that now, for fuck's but sake. But you yeah. did, like. I did, yeah, yeah. You did. Yeah. So, so and it was hard, man, but like the confidence again. But you would have had, and again, I'm not overstepping here, but like you would have had issues in the past yes. with, with like, Jesus, am I fucking stupid? I didn't yes. do my leaving cert. Yes. And, you know, yeah. that baggage must have firmly come off your back, like. And do you know what? It actually helped my relationship with my father because my father would proofread my um, my assignments. Mm. Uh, so like my s and he loved the philosophy and the English literature ones. And, oh, wow. Uh, and, you know, because essentially he studied Christian theology, so he loves all that. Mm. So we it had this weird um, bonding, kind of, bonding thing. thing of where he would, you know, correct some of my, my oh. punctuation and stuff like that and kind of go, I really like what you're... Because he, he's trying to do a lot of writing now himself, personal writing, mm. but he struggles with the creative aspect of it. So I'm going, well... Just follow that. Follow your feeling on that, and yeah. he struggles with that and his writing and all that. So definitely had brought us closer together. But get like that, getting that published in the Irish Times. Like I did that between two assignments that I was really stressed out to doing, but I just felt this thing coming out. Wrote it, sent it to a guy that lives in our area, and he actually made the <laughs> whole thing happen. So it's like that email that you sent right back yeah. at the start. Like yeah. So it kind of comes all the way back to uh, a quiet priest never got a parish. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. um, you just have to kind of grab whatever you want in yeah. life. Go for it. Yeah. Take the chance, and if someone says no, go for it again. Like uh, honestly, the p like a very that's one of the proudest things that uh, doing the course is one of the proudest things in my life. But then having the thing printed <coughs> in the Irish Times to me, and the compliments that the Irish Times gave me on the writing, gave me confidence through mm. the roof. Like, and it just changes. And confidence, do you know what's interesting? Like, I'm really thinking about meditating on this in the last year. Confidence has zero to do with arrogance. There's no arrogance attached to my confidence at all. It's no. like I'm just confident that I can do something. It's yeah. a, it's about me being able it's to just do something. A, a self belief in yourself. Yes, you know. Yeah. Um, Steve, this was a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having did me on, man. It? I did. It was amazing. Yeah. That uh, it flew by. It flew by. What do we do? Jesus Christ, we're gone over the hour. Fantastic. Oh my God, sorry. Um, guys, rate, review, subscribe uh, to the podcast. Tag me in a story. Tell all your friends. I love yeah, you. Share with all your friends about conversations with Cornelius because I'm so delighted that he's fucking doing them and I'll be sharing on social media. But a simple screenshot, rated on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. Spread the word. Nice one, man. It does, do you know what? It really, really uplifts me when I get it. And I have to say, I get a, I, nearly every episode, I have a kind of, I've got a good regular good regular crew now Hardcore to tune in fans. and we'll touch base on social media um, like Cork like I have one good one for you now right? I'm big into the law of attraction right yes and um, there's this fella down in Kerry called Scotch right 
And uh, so thoughts become things, affirmations, you know, like yeah. you, whatever you focus on, you can have. And Cork got hammered by uh, <laughs> Limerick on Sunday. God bless them. And uh, he, he sent me, like the wound was just open and gaping. <laughs> and he said, uh, why didn't you just, uh, <laughs> something? it's on my phone, but it was words to the effect, why didn't you just talk it into existence yeah, with, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you did with Deck? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but um, I... I I love that that kind of interaction is coming on. Yeah. People are listening to it. They're they're enjoying them and they're getting whatever they want out of them. And uh, it's great having interesting guests like yourself as well. Steve and Bell. when the gigs come back, come out and watch shows. Come out and see Cornelius. Come out and see myself. Come out and support local comedy. Yeah. Because it's the fucking it's the best. Yeah. It's and the we best. need to put like you know milk into the fridge. You we know? need to put milk into the fridge, but we make these things for you so that you will come out and enjoy yourself at the show. Because we're we it's for we're giving it to them. Yeah, we're giving it. We're doing it for you guys. We love you. We're not you. doing it for ourselves at all. <laughs> we don't have any egos. Up the rebels! <laughs> Go on, we we'll see you later. Good luck.